Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. We discuss topics concerning our faith, review Christian news, do a devotional, and offer prayers and praise that you share with us. Never be alone. Join us. You can reach us at our website, branchliving.com, and through Facebook at Branch Living. There we have an international community, and it would be a privilege to have you join us. There you can comment, post photos, prayer requests, praise reports, so join us on Facebook at Branch Living. You can also email your prayer requests and praise reports to me at lisa at branchliving.com. We podcast twice each week, and the heart of our podcast is our Branch Living message. We chat about issues in our lives, and then we move to Christian news, views, events, interesting happenings in today's Christian family. We have a brief devotion written by one of the Christian greats, and we end with your comments, your prayers, and praise. So join us and spread the word. We would love to hear from you. And with that, let us join the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time that we're able to spend together thinking about your word and thinking about your will in this world and our place within that will. We ask you, Father, to give us each peace, peace in our hearts, peace in our minds during some of these troubling times. Uh, We see spring on the horizon for most of the countries and uh, many of the countries, and we also see an end to this pandemic on the horizon. So Father, we praise you for both, for warmer days and for the freedom to be able to move about and to be able to see faces. What a blessing that will be. We pray this in your name, amen. So this week is St. Patrick's Day. We have St. Patrick's Day taking place this week. And so I wanted to explore a little bit about St. Patrick, um, both for my own recollection, but also to share with you. Um, And so this Wednesday, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and it is a day that is often honored by drinking green beer, wearing green clothing, and some even dye their hair green. I um, had a gentleman I was talking to the other day who was probably in his 80s and had white hair and had this beautiful streak of bright emerald green in his hair, I think, getting ready for this day. But who was St. Patrick? And what did he do to warrant such celebrations? And what can we learn from his life? Well, St. Patrick was a fifth century Romano-British Christian missionary and a bishop to Ireland. According to biography.com, St. Patrick was born in 386 and died in 461. At the age of 16, he was kidnapped by Irish raiders from the from the villa of his father, who was a deacon and a minor local official, and St. Patrick was sold into slavery in Ireland. He spent six bleak years there as a herdsman, during which time he turned with fervor to his faith. According to biography.com, Patrick came to view his enslavement as God's test of his faith. He had a dream that a ship was to escape a ship he was to escape in was ready for his departure and so he fled from his master and left by ship for britain and on this voyage 
he nearly starved to death and suffered a second brief captivity before he was reunited with his family. So you can just imagine what a start in life that was to be sold into slavery and kidnapped from your family in Britain and then to spend six years as a herdsman uh, in a foreign country and then to escape on a ship because of a vision and then to nearly starve to death go into captivity again briefly, but finally being united to your family. So now a free man, he went to Auxerre, France and studied and entered the priesthood under the guidance of Saint Germain. He was ordained a deacon by the Bishop of Auxerre in 418 AD. In a short work he published, the Confessio, he stated that following his return to Britain, he had a dream in which a group of Irish people were pleading for him to return to Ireland and to walk among them. He returned, now I'm just gonna pause, you can imagine being a slave there when you're only 16 years old and finally escaping and getting home and now returning again because of another dream that you've had. I mean, this is a brave man. So he returned and he traveled across the country of Ireland baptizing and confirming the Irish. He was a humble man and he poured forth his thanks to God for having chosen him as the instrument whereby multitudes who had worshiped idols and unclean things had become the people of God. Toward the end of his life, he retired to Saul, Ireland where he died. Now there are several legends told about St. Patrick. One is that he drove the snakes out of Ireland into the sea to their death. Patrick himself wrote, wrote that he raised people from the dead. He also reportedly prayed for food for a group of sailors traveling by land and a herd of swine miraculously appeared. But the most popular legend surrounding St. Patrick is that he explained the concept of the Holy Trinity to an unbeliever by showing that person a simple shamrock with its three leaves on one stalk. It is an Irish tradition that men wear shamrocks, the national flower of Ireland, in their lapels on St. Patrick's Day. March 17th, the day that we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, is thought to be the day he died, thus the origin of this day to celebrate his life. For more than 1,000 years, the Irish have observed St. Patrick's Day as a religious holiday. In Ireland, on March 17th, families attend church in the morning and observe other rituals, including eating a traditional meal of cabbage and Irish bacon. This has spread to many countries which have used the green color associated with Ireland's lush fields and the shamrock to highlight celebrations through dress, food, and beverage. So what are we as Christians to learn from the life of St. Patrick, this wonderful man? Well, here are a few lessons that I take from the stories surrounding his life. The first lesson I take is that God answers prayers, especially fervent prayers, and especially those that reflect God's desire to spread the good news. And certainly we saw that in St. Patrick's life several times. And then a life lived for God is a life well lived. Go where God commands, even if it is not where you would place yourself and there serve others in a Christ-centered manner. God has a special place in his heart 
for the humble. And you can see that in this life of St. Patrick. So he truly did dedicate his life to God. He was a person of deep prayer. And um, obviously God touched his life tremendously. So celebrate the life of this saint by remembering the life he led in walking with and serving God and the impact he had on an entire nation. And so um, this comes from Britannica.com and I'm gonna uh, end this little segment with the Proverb 3, five through six, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And certainly that proverb really epitomizes the life that St. Patrick lived, who trusted the Lord with all of his heart and certainly did not lean on his own understanding. I can't imagine he would have returned to Ireland if that had been his own thought. And then in all of his ways, he did acknowledge God and God certainly did make a straight path for him. So looking at news around the world, I went to uh, stpatricksday.com to see how do people in other countries celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And so you'll see that parades seem to dominate this theme. But So we'll start with Canada. The longest running St. Patrick's Day parade in Canada occurs each year in Montreal. The parades have been held in continuity since 1824. St. Patrick's Day itself has been celebrated in Montreal as far back as 1759 by Irish soldiers of the Montreal garrison following the British conquest of New France. In Canada, St. Patrick's Day is an official holiday only in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Some groups, notably Guinness, have, a, have lobbied to make St. Patrick's Day a federal national holiday, but that has not been successful. So, so far it's just in that province. In Great Britain, in the UK, during St. Patrick's Day celebrations um, in London, England, the late Elizabeth Bowes Lyon, the Queen Mother, used to present bowls of shamrocks flown over from Ireland to members of the Irish Guards, a regiment of the British Army consisting primarily of Irishmen from both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. In 2002, London Mayor Ken Livingston organized an annual St. Patrick's Day parade, which takes place now on weekends around the 17th. Another tradition is the consumption of large amounts of Guinness in hopes of getting a Guinness hat a hat that pubs give away after a certain amount of the beverage has been consumed. So it sounds like you got to drink a lot of Guinness to get your hat. The horse racing also attracts numbers of Irish people, both residents of Britain and many who travel to Ireland. And this is this usually coincides with St. Patrick's Day. Um, and that's called the Cheltenham Festival. The largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the UK is held in in Birmingham over a two-mile route through the city center. The organizers describe it as the third biggest parade in the world after Dublin and New York. Other St. Patrick's Day parades take place around the country, including in London, where the largest minority community is Irish. I hadn't realized that, but that makes sense. Um, in the town of Coatbridge, the majority of the town's population is of Irish descent and they also have a day of celebration and parades 
in the town center. So it sounds like the Irish love parades. Um, in Germany, Munich is the only German city holding a St. Patrick's Day parade, owing it to the considerably large Irish community. The parade is organized by the German-Irish Society of Bavaria and has been held every year since 1996. Meanwhile, it has evolved into the largest in the continental Europe and features not only Irish, Scotch, and English, but also German clubs and societies. Following the two-kilometer parade, which usually takes place the Sunday preceding March 17th, it is an open-air party with live music and dance performances. And then Russia. On the 15th of March, 1992, thousands of Muscovites lined the Novi Arbat to witness the first St. Patrick's Day parade in the Russian capital's history. Yuri Luzkov, and then the current mayor of Moscow, and Air Ritnut Chief Executive Derek Koh were on the reviewing stand as a police escort led the way for, rather bizarrely, a Russian marching band, Cossack horsemen, and 15 floats representing many Russian companies. The parade, which was the brainchild of Derek Koch, was a big success and it ensured a repeat performance the following year. Each year now, the floats have become more numerous and sophisticated, and the range of international and Russian participants and sponsors more wide-ranging, such as Pepsi and Guinness. So this is in Russia. The local Irish bars of Moscow contribute their own floats, and Muscovites reveal their own homegrown Irish wolfhounds, which are nearly as big as the floats themselves. The Moscow Parade continues to be an annual event and it continued until 1998. After a three-year lapse, the St. Patrick's Society of Russia managed to reestablish the St. Patrick's Parade with the cooperation of the Moscow city government. The Moscow police and various government bodies, the Irish Embassy and the Irish community of Moscow. So they had a brief three-year lapse, but they're back at it again with more parades. And then Japan, um, St. Patrick's Day in Japan was first organized by the Irish Network Japan starting in 1992. There are now multiple parades across the country celebrating St. Patrick and the Irish heritage. So isn't that amazing that I had not realized how many countries uh, celebrate St. Patrick's Day with parades and floats and bands and uh, sounds like how we do it here in America as well. So that is terrific. Um, since St. Patrick had a real heart for the poor, I have selected a devotion today um, from Spurgeon and the passage is from um, Galatians 2:10, and it is remember the poor. And so this is what Spurgeon has to say. Why does God allow so many of his children to be poor? He could make them all rich if he pleased. He could lay bags of gold at their doors. He could send them a large annual income, or he could scatter around their houses abundance of provisions, as once he made the quails lie in heaps around a camp for Israel and rained bread out of the heavens to feed them. There is no necessity that they should be poor, except that he sees it to be best. The cattle upon a thousand hills are his. He could supply them 
He could make the richest, the greatest, and the mightiest bring all their power and riches to the feet of his children, for the hearts of all men are in his control. But he does not choose to do so. He allows them to suffer want. He allows them to pine in penury and obscurity. But why is this? There are so many reasons. One is to give us, who are favored with enough, an opportunity of showing our love to Jesus. We show our love to Christ when we sing of Him and when we pray to Him. But if there were no sons of the world in need, we should lose the sweet privilege of evidencing our love by ministering in almsgiving to his poorer brethren. He has ordained thus, we should provide that our love stands not in word only, but in deed and in truth. If we love Christ, we shall care for those who are loved by him. Those who are dear to him will be dear to us. Let us then look upon it not as a duty, but as a privilege to relieve the poor of the Lord's flock, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus. Inasmuch as you have done it for one of the least of my brethren, you shall have done it unto me. Surely this assurance is sweet enough, and this motive strong enough, to lead us to help others with a willing hand and a loving heart, recollecting that all we do for his people is graciously accepted by Christ as done to himself. And what a wonderful message that is from Spurgeon today to tell us that it is a privilege to give to the poor. It is not a duty, it is a privilege. And when we give to the poor, we give to him. And that the poor are there so that those of us who have more than what we need um, can give and can share, just as Christ gave and shared when he was here as well. Uh, So I'm going to conclude today with a prayer of St. Patrick. This is thought to have been uh, written by St. Patrick, and this comes to us from a website called journeywithjesus.net. The Prayer of St. Patrick, and this is beautiful, I have to tell you. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth and his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion and his burial, through the strength of his resurrection and his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I arise today through the strength of the love of the cherubim, the obedience of the angels, in service of archangels, in the hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in the prayers of the patriarchs, in the preachings of the apostles, in the faiths of the confessor, in the innocence of virgins, in deeds of righteous men. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, 
God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's hosts to save me. From snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who desires me ill, afar and anear, alone or in multitude, I summon today all these powers between me and evil, against every cruel, merciless power that opposes my body and soul, against the incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against the craft of idolatry, against spells of women and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul, Christ shield me today. Against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that reward may come to me in abundance. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down and Christ when I sit down. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through a confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Isn't that beautiful? It's just a beautiful prayer uh, written um, back in the fifth century and is applicable then as it is today. Uh, so with that, let us conclude with our own prayer and we will continue to uh, think about those who are dis disenfranchised, those who are poor, and take them before our Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the example of St. Patrick. We thank you for this life of this wonderful man, the legends he is spoken to have been involved in, the beautiful prayer that he left us, and his service to the poor. And we ask you, Father, to inspire each of us to be good givers and to share what we've been given with others, especially to share you and to share your son, Jesus. We pray this in your name, amen. So that's it for today. Go enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Um, and if you missed it, enjoy it in retrospect, but have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. And until we get back together again, stay close to God, stay in touch, and I will chat with you again soon.